In no way is the information provided in this podcast meant to be a substitute for psychological treatment. If you require psychological services, it is your responsibility to seek out the attention of a mental health professional. 24-7, The Working Parent Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the Psychology Foundation of Canada in partnership with Workplace Strategies for Mental Health, an initiative of the Great West Life Centre for Mental Health in the Workplace. We recently conducted a survey with working parents with the goal of better understanding their everyday challenges in order to help find ways to support them as they juggle parenting and work life. The results from this survey, along with an outpouring of questions sent to us by parents in the workforce across Canada, will shape the discussion of this podcast. Hi, I'm Kyle Naranya and a dad of a one-year-old as well as a working parent, and I'm happy to be the host of 24-7 The Working Parent Podcast, which was created to provide tips and strategies to address the challenges of working parents from all across Canada. Welcome to our listeners and our psychologists. Today I am joined by... Hello, uh, my name is Dr. Robin Alter and I am a child clinical psychologist. I've been in practice for many, many wonderful years and um, I've tried to make it a point of learning from all of the families and children that I've worked with all these years. I um, am the author of uh, a couple of books on anxiety, um, one to help parents, anxiety and the gift of imagination, and one for kids uh, called the Anxiety Workbook for Kids. And I am a step uh, parent, stepmother, and I have, uh, uh, I'm also a grandmother. Hello, I'm Dr. Esther Cole. I am currently in private practice and I work with children, adolescents and families. And previously, I supervised many teams of psychologists in education. I am an author of numerous publications, all related to education and parenting and how to help children and adolescents. And most importantly, I'm also a mother of two adult children and am privileged to have four ambunctious grandsons. Welcome and thank you again for joining us. We've received a lot of questions from parents, so let's get right into it. Cynthia from British Columbia says, My child plays on the computer downstairs. That's all he does. I don't see him socializing with anyone outside of the house, even though he says he does. Should I be worried? Should Cynthia be worried? The answer is uh, all the time is, is um, extreme. So it's a question of maybe they are socializing uh, a lot uh, during recess. Maybe they are playing a, a game that includes other people. So by me saying all the time, I already elevated it into a situation where there is a no-one situation. But I think that we have to remind ourselves as parents that many times when we say, these things we are forgetting our own nonverbal behavior and if there was a, an invisible recorder which looked into your household how much time do you spend on your device do you have rules in, in one of the households that I know there is a rule uh, there are several children two adults when we go for dinner, we are putting in a basket or our iPhones or, or another entertaining device so we don't multitask in the wrong way. When we are present, there is an incentive for the child to want to spend more time. 
how many times do I hear children who are saying, yeah, they want me to spend more time with them, but they are really not listening to me because they are either on the phone or they are doing some work and they are saying, yes, I'm listening, I'm listening. So it's a question of what you do to invite you to be the person who's a substitute. The other thing is, what are the rules in your household? Why is, why is this downstairs? What is happening? Uh, do they know? And did you explain why you say that you only allow them to be on the computer for X number of hours or minutes in a day? while you are yourself doing something else and the TV is on all the time and the music is on and you're looking at your iPhone and another parent is doing the same thing. So it's a question of the context and what is the culture of the verbal and nonverbal behavior in your household. That will be very, very important before you start the dialogue. Do you think it might be useful to um, uh, do a reality check and see, you know, maybe touch base with the school and see if he, you know, is socializing there. I mean, absolutely. she's, she's asking, should she be worried? And I, I don't know. I mean, I wonder if all this avoidant behavior and hiding out with the computer is the tip of the iceberg. If there are some underlying issues there, we don't know. We she don't doesn't know. know right? I, I think that, it, that this is why the scan at home is the one that you know because you know your own behavior, or the, the culture of the home around communication, but absolutely. Mm -hmm. And in different age groups, there are different scenarios. If your child is moving to, to a feeder school that has kids who knew one another in subgroups and you are the only kid out, this is your salvation. Or maybe you have been defriended uh, from Facebook and you're worried about it. Maybe you're on all kinds of gossip chat lines. Yeah. You don't know. And, and this is a challenge for many parents. And saying no is not necessarily changing behavior. So if you continue to be worried, make sure that you check in, whether it is with the teacher, with the school psychologist, with the school social worker, uh, with other parents, but make sure that you understand where it's coming from before you react. Because saying no is not an incentive to stop the behavior. What to do instead means, I see that you are spending a lot of time, even on Saturdays, down in the basement looking at, at the, your, your devices. Um, is there anything that you want uh, us to change in our household that we might do together? Would you like us to have an, an invitation for other kids that you're friends with to come and do other activities with you? So there is always a need to look at the totality. Wanda from Alberta says, my toddler has started to be able to form sentences and I've been trying to get him to have little conversations with me, but he won't respond to anything I say. How can I encourage him to talk more and engage in talking with me? So talking is a question of communicating. And you just said that your child has the uh, ability and you want more of it. But it's five steps forwards, three backwards, not to get discouraged, not to get upset, and not to push it. Because the child has their own rhythm of communicating. One of the things that we know with more and more research about that, about language development, is really we have two types of language. We have receptive language, understand by looking and, and being able to point to things. If I say tree and there is a picture book with a tree and we play a game and you point, you don't say anything, but I know you understand. And then there is the expressive language. And I think we have to dance between these two types of languages before they become the ownership of the child at different levels. 
Uh, a point that the research has done very well with repeated longitudinal research is that many parents who are having particularly a young child who does not respond with fluid sentences and doesn't retrieve words is that they don't necessarily either communicate on their own with the child or de they decrease their communication or they complete the child's sentences, which means that I'm telling you, it's like saying, you should really put on your snow pants yourself, but because I'm in a hurry, You're gonna put I, them on I, I'm putting in, I'm saying, I'm just going to do it one more time and the child doesn't have an incentive to do that. So I just continue to communicate and I will read to them and I will sing with them and I will mime with them and I will do art with them and I will say, I'm, we are both eating and I will say, oh, this is such a yummy apple. Let me play a game. What color is this apple? Is it green? No. And you're smiling and laughing. Is it red? Oh, yes. Good for you. It's red. Do you see another red apple in the bowl? Shall we say the word red? And you are turning into something which is not didactic. It's not lecturing. It's not teaching. You're not a speech pathologist. You're a loving parent who has fun with their child while your child is learning to communicate. Yeah. So what I really like about what you said, Esther, is that you're giving a great example of how to keep it really simple and concrete. And, um, you know, perhaps a toddler might know colors. I, I don't know. But I think, uh, just to uh, speak directly to Wanda, I think a lot of parents ask questions that, even though they're interested, they're much too complicated. Like sometimes the question can be something like, what did you do at school today? That's a really tough question to answer because the child did so many things at school today. Or they don't remember anything. Or they don't remember anything. Well, there's just too many answers to that question. So, you know, it, it's hard for us because we are used to talking with adults. And so when we're with adults, we want to impress them with all our complex questions. So we really have to get it really simple and really concrete. You know, who did you play with? Did you do this? Did you, did you? play with your fire truck, you know, today, and then they can answer yes or no, and if they say yes, then you can start probing a little bit, you know, what did you do with the fire truck, and now you're on their level, but, you know, it's, that's how we help them to expand their communication abilities. Yes. This question, I'm looking forward to how you answer it. My preteen daughter has stopped showing me affection and gives one-worded answers when I ask her about her day. I can't help but feel it's because I haven't been around much lately as work has been very busy. What can I do to make her open up again? And this is from Chris from Manitoba. I think that uh, the stage of being a preteen, a teen is a very confusing stage in general. So many things are changing. So many things are happening and it's so important to be cool with uh, my friends. So the, the issue of showing affection is not just because you might not have had enough time lately, but also because what is considered to be the in-group behavior or the discussions and they can be in person with friends or they might not be related at all to, to your relationship with your child. But I think that it's really important for us to, as parents to remember that when our children change into more independent stages of life with more expectations, 
that we have to change our expectations of their communication with us. Obviously, a child who sees you um, at the age of three uh, when you pick them up from daycare is going to run to you and hug you. Obviously, it's not cool uh, when you drop off your uh, preteen or teen at school uh, to be seen as hugging them in front of their kids. And many are saying, drop me off at the corner so that nobody will see you saying goodbye to me and such and or don't touch me when my friends are around. So I think it's really important to remember the, the bigger context. But to answer your question more specifically is to say that communication, the more I press, the more I'm unlikely to succeed. So it's not as if let's have the big discussion because uh, it's important that now I'm home, let's sit together and tell me your life story uh, during the days that I wasn't with you. That is not likely to happen. It will cause more eye rolling and more distractions and, and you will feel even more barriers are built along the way. So in these kinds of cases, first of all, anytime you have to drive a preteen and a teen, that's a great opportunity because they don't make eye contact with you and they're in the car locked with you. And whether you listen to music together or whether you tell them something, it's one way to communicate. The other thing is to communicate by doing rather than by words. So with a common interest maybe? A common interest or even um, I can tell you that sometimes just coming in and saying, can I ask you something about my day? I have to make a decision about whether to do this or this. What do you think? What, what, what are kids your age thinking would, would be better uh, in this kind of circumstance? And it can be anything. It can be recreational. It can be work-related. And once they give you an answer and they usually say, you know, they, they know a lot more than adults who are seen as old people, uh, and they can say, well, it's so obvious that this is the answer, you say, I'm hearing you and I think you might have a point, but for me to understand more, can you give me an example why you say that? And the more we bridge this kind of wait and see conversation into their reality, rather than tell me about yourself or show me, uh, or I love you so much and let me show you how I do that, the more it's tilted for them. So wait around the corner, observe, communicate in a way that gives you a response that they are open and sometimes doing something together without even talking at all is the best way of communicating with a kid who feels that they want to have their own identity without letting you in now. I think a, a lot of kids will push their parents away at this stage. Mm -hmm. They spend more time with their friends. They kind of want to be different and, you know, uh, they have their own identity that's separate from their parents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's a tough time for parents to feel mm -hmm. that kind of rejection. So instead of seeing it as rejection, they can see yeah. it more as the kids growing up. But I think it's also very helpful for kids to know that their parents still want to be with them yeah. and um, are still interested in them in a, in a kind of a soft way. But, you know, try to mm -hmm. invite your kid, you know, let's do this together, let's do mm -hmm. that together, so that you're still spending time together That's and right. still sh um, having that relationship. Because, you know, it, it also can be a difficult time for them and you want them to be able to come to you mm -hmm. and talk to you when That's they right. have challenges. And be expected not to be disappointed if it goes from one extreme to another. That today they don't want to talk to you at all and tomorrow something happened that makes them feel as if they want to talk to you for you not to get confused and say, 
oh, you want to talk to me, but yesterday you didn't want to talk to me. Don't react, seize the moment, work with it, celebrate the fact that they know that you are there for them regardless of what happens. So take it day by day. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in. For more information and tips, go to www.psychologyfoundation.org or www.workplacestrategiesformentalhealth.com and tune in next time to hear more helpful advice from our psychologists. 24-7, the Working Parent Podcast.